Good morning. Happy New Year. Ooh, that does get loud there, Kevin. Uh, you are correct. Um, Happy New Year. Man, it's so good to see each one of you here this morning. Um, I didn't expect so many of you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but it's good to see all of you. <laughs> so, um, it is so good to see all of you, man. And Kevin, thank you. Um, the songs you chose this morning, just awesome. And um, I'm sitting there thinking of the words of the God this morning that we're going to look at, and I'm thinking, man, it's like Kevin knew. Um, and I, <laughs> so, so good, so, so good, um, drawing our hearts to worship. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope you do, I, I would ask that you turn to the book of Jonah, to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament Minor, everybody's like, oh, oh um, we got to find that. We know the story. We're just not sure where it's at. So um, it is in the Old Testament, and um, it is among the minor prophets. So if you were to open your Bible to the very middle, and then you start to work your way forward um, toward the end, I guess, as you were, if you were reading it, you would come across Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then some of the smaller books there, and then you would run across Jonah. As you're, trying, as you're working to find Jonah, just by way of reminder, Jonah is a book, but it's his testimony. It's Jonah's story, really. He's giving his testimony of his life. And he doesn't necessarily give us the positives. It doesn't really shine a great light on who Jonah is, on his great attributes as a prophet of God. But in his failures and his rebellion, man, God, Jonah points a spotlight on the glory of God. Through his weaknesses, <laughs> he points to the glory of the Lord. And in particular, I would say what he wants to convey through his story as he's writing it to his own people, Israel, who are captured in idolatry, is he wants them to know that salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I think he's trying to call his people back, reminding them that salvation belongs to the Lord and not in these idols or things that you put your trust and faith in. And not only that, I think he's calling his people back to their purpose. Salvation belongs to the Lord and therefore it, his salvation is for all peoples. And their role is to display his glory amongst all the nations. So this morning, we're gonna look at Jonah. We're gonna particularly look at chapter one and chapter two. We will not go into chapter three and chapter four. We will say with Jonah one and two. And as we begin, I would ask you just to pray with me as we begin to look at the word of the Lord. Oh, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would bless, bless your word over these next few minutes. God, I pray it, Lord. This is your word and your truth, and I pray as it goes forward, I pray you would bless your word. Lord, would you, would you over the next few minutes, Lord, we literally just have a few minutes together this morning, but Lord, as we spend that time together in your word, would you open our eyes to see wondrous things of who you are? Lord, open our eyes to see wondrous things of who you are, Father. And then, Lord, teach us your ways that we might walk in them. And, Lord, for some today, would you, Lord, call them 
to yourself. Or Lord, for some, back to you. So Lord, we pray these things in your name and for your glory and for the good of your people this morning. Amen. By way, just, we're just, we're just gonna walk through the text. We're just gonna walk through this story because it's a, it's a story. So we're just gonna start in the very beginning. We're gonna walk through it and we'll go as, as we go and we're gonna have to go kind of quickly. So I'm gonna try to speak fast and talk fast. I, uh, um, but I wanna make sure that we honor the time. So I'm gonna talk as fast as I can and we're gonna move as quickly as we can, but we wanna work through this story if we can. So right off the bat, chapter one, verse one, Jonah starts by giving us, because it's a story, kind of the backdrop, the setting of what's happening, and he gives us the problem. Stories always start with a setting and a problem. They usually lead to a conflict. The conflict grows to climax. The climax is resolved. And then there's some afterthought. So right at the very beginning of this story, we start with a setting, and, he, and this is what Jonah says. Now the word of the Lord, he's gonna speak in third person, by the way, which is typical of, what, of this type of writing. So it is Jonah. But now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So Jonah, a prophet of God, gets the word of God, right, to go. Literally, this is kind of unique because for the prophets, he's the first prophet that has been commanded by God to go to that place and proclaim against him in that location. So he's been told to go to Nineveh. Now Jonah is, is proclaiming this in Israel, or he's in Israel, the northern kingdom. He lives a little bit outside of Nazareth and Galilee. Um, it's actually a good time for Israel. Um, in Israel at this time, um, they have some peace has come upon them, actually God has shown them some favor. So Jonah has been prophesying some good prophecies to them. God has brought good peace to them, even though it, they don't warrant that peace because they are an idolatrous nation, but he has shown favor to them. And so they've even expanded some of their borders. So at the time when Jonah receives this word, it's a good time, but he's been called to go to this place called Nineveh. Now Nineveh was not a good place right? Nineveh was in Assyria, which is an enemy of Israel, and they were a wicked nation, not Jewish, right? They were Gentiles. They were pagans. They were far from God, an idolatrous people. And one of the things that characterized them was that they were a violent people. They were a violent nation. Everything I read about them was they were extremely violent in warfare, and so even as you see in chapter three, when, when the king calls them back, he says he calls them back from the violence that was in their hands. They're not only a wicked nation, an idolatrous nation, but they're also a violent nation. And now God has called Jonah to go there and to speak this word against them because their evil has literally risen up to God. Here's Jonah receiving the word of the Lord, a prophet, and the only prophet, not only to be told to go to that place, but the only prophet to say no to God's word. He resists and he rebels against the word of the Lord. Look what he says. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, and so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Three times it tells us where Jonah goes. He went down to Tarshish, right? He's gonna get on a boat and he's going to Tarshish. Tarshish, if Nineveh is this way, guess where Tarshish is? 
that way, the opposite direction, right? If he said, go east, go to, Tar- go, go to Nineveh, Jonah goes, I'm going west and I'm going to Tarshish, right? Tarshish was the end of the known world at the time. So if you're gonna flee God, Tarshish was a good place to go. It's the end of the earth, right? I'm gonna go to the end of the world. And not only is he trying to get away from him geographically, but he's also trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. Twice it says, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah did not want to obey the Lord, right? You may be sitting there going, why? Why would Jonah, a prophet of God, receive a word against a wicked people and he's going to speak a word against them? Would he rebel and run the opposite direction? Why would he do that? I like when the word of God tells us why, right? That's always helpful. Chapter four, if you look there, just... That's all in one sentence. I don't know how your Bible is laid out. Mine's all together. It's just right there for me. Um, chapter four, right there, verse number two. He says, this is why, or that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Here's why Jonah rebels. I knew, God, that you are a gracious God, and you are a merciful God, and you are slow to anger, and you're abounding in steadfast love and you relent from disaster. Jonah knew if I go and speak this word against the Ninevites, an enemy of Israel, they're not Israelites, that God, if they turn to him, he will be gracious to them. He will show them his mercy and he'll relent from destruction. And so in his heart, he said, No, God, your salvation will not go to Nineveh. And so he flees from the presence of the Lord. This sets off a journey for Jonah, right? Downward and downward and downward he would go, right? Look what happens next. So he sets off to go to Tarshish. He gets on this ship in Joppa. He goes to cross over the sea. And what does the Lord do? Ah, Can I just tell you the Lord is good? He is good, right? Here's, Here's Jonah going the opposite direction that God desires him to go. And God is going to intervene intervene. Um, Charles Spurgeon has a quote. I don't normally quote Charles Spurgeon, but I like this one. Not that I don't like him. I just don't quote him a lot just to say, if you're thinking, does Jeremy always quote Charles Spurgeon? Nope. But this one I like. God does not allow his children to sin successfully. I love that. God doesn't allow his children to sin successfully, right? He disciplines those whom he loves. And here comes God, right? His sovereign hand is gonna come against Jonah. And so it says the Lord, the Lord hurled like a javelin, really, at a target. So he's, he's aiming at Jonah. He hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Literally, God is saying, Jonah, Right, Jonah hurls this thing. The mariners, those people, those people, the sailors on the ship are afraid. What are they doing? They're calling out to their little G gods, right? These are pagan sailors calling out upon their gods. 
I don't know about you, if you've ever seen that. I was overseas one time, I was on an airplane. I'm just gonna say it wasn't a good flight. Sometimes the plane goes this way, sometimes the plane goes that way. This one went this way, you know, I was afraid. So um, I was like, this is not a good flight, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I looked around, I'm, I'm in, we're in another country, I'm, I'm flying over these mountains. I mean, literally the plane is everywhere, everywhere. Blueberries under my feet. I think there was a sheep or a goat behind me. I mean, everybody on that plane was calling out to some God. I mean, they were calling out, they were fearful. This is the sailors, right? They're in the midst of the storm and they are afraid. They are fearful. They're calling out to whatever God they know for help. They're throwing things off, right? The ship, they're hurling things into the sea. And where is our Jonah? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. thank you. He's asleep, our sleeper. Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and lay down fast asleep. So that the captain, here's this pagan captain has to come to him. Ah, oh, what do you mean, you sleeper? I say that to my children every morning. <laughs> what do you mean, you sleepers? No, I don't. So arise, call out to your God is what he's saying, right? Little G, call out for help. What are you doing? We're perishing. We're perishing. And here's Jonah, the prophet of God, down in the inner part of the ship, sleeping in a deep slumber while everyone on the ship is fearful and perishing. You're running from God and you're no help to anyone and there's people perishing all around you. You're supposed to be the man who has the word of God, the truth of God, but right now he's sleeping and the people around him are fearful and afraid and perishing. What happens next? They said to one another, come, this is the sailors. Let's do what we know to do. Let's cast lots. Literally, they're gonna cast this, these lots and, and, and they're gonna determine who this evil has come from. Like, where did this evil come from? Who has brought this evil upon us? And, oh, surprise, guess where the lots fell? Because the lots are cast into the lap, right? But God determines how they fall. And so God is again directing the wind and now he directs the lots and they point to Jonah. <laughs> you cannot hide from God, right? You're running, but you can't hide from God. Points right to Jonah. And then they say to him, they start to question him. They're asking all these questions. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What's your country? What people are you? I'd be doing the same thing. Who are you? If you have brought this evil upon us, what have you done? And Jonah answers the way that a Hebrew would answer a Gentile. The typical answer right here. I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And what did the men and the sailors do? Exceedingly afraid, right? Jonah had told them, it tells us, that he was running from the Lord. He was fleeing. He'd already, I don't know when he told them, but he had told them, I'm fleeing from the Lord. They knew he was running from the Lord. And now he says who he's running from. Basically, he's running from the God of heaven, who made, this is why they, the Israelites would, would term it this way. He said, our God is different from your God for my God is the God of heaven who created all things. He's the creator God. He created the land and he created the sea and it drove fear into their hearts because what they're thinking is, 
if he created the land and he created the sea, then Jonah, where can you go? How far can you go? You can't go far enough. If you're on the land, you can't go far enough. God is there. He made it. If you go to the sea, you can't go far enough. He made it. If you were to go to the heavens, he's there. He's there. And so then they realize your running is futile. You cannot run from a God who created the heavens, the earth, and the sea. So then they cry out to him. What shall we do to you then? If this is the God that's causing this to come upon us, then what must we do to you? And the sea grew more and more tempestuous. I don't know if you have that in your Bible. I just like that word, tempestuous. I was telling the story to my son, Jonathan, this morning. I, told him, I, was, just, I was just quoting the story, just, just telling them the story. I wasn't reading it, just telling him. He goes, Dad, that's a great story. I said, well, you know, I do what I can. <laughs> so tempestuous. He thinks I made it up. I, I told him from the Bible tempestuous. So God literally hurls this wind and now increasing the wind and the storm and the violence of the storm. And Jonah answers them. Maybe like a word from the Lord, for he is a prophet of God. Here's what you must do. Take me up, hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down. I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So now the men have a, have a decision to make. They literally have the word of the Lord, right? They know the answer to their situation. We have to throw this man over into the sea. This is what the Lord has said. And the tempest will quiet down. What do they try to do first? Row harder, right? Man, there's gotta be a better way. Maybe we can get ourselves out of this, right? Maybe we can make a difference. We can do something. So they row harder, right? To get back to where? Dry land, the God of the dry land, right, who made the dry land. And the Lord then caused this sea to grow even more and more tempestuous against them. Now the sea is against them. For they have the word of the Lord, will they obey the word of the Lord? They know what to do. They realize now they are in a futile situation, right? They can obey the word of the Lord or they can perish. And they will surely perish. What do they do? They called out to the Lord, right? Not to little G gods this time. Now they're calling out to the God of heaven, right? They're calling out to the God who made the sea and the dry land. Now they're calling out to this God. They're calling out to the God. Oh, they call out to the Lord. They say, oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, oh Lord, have done as it pleased you. Lord, have mercy on us, and you do your will, let your will be done. They picked up Jonah, they obeyed the word of the Lord. They hurled him into the sea, and what happens? The sea ceased from its raging. Powerful, right? God showing, I am who I am, right? I am the God of heaven. I am the one who made the sea, and I am the God who created the dry land. Ceased immediately. What did the men do? Exceedingly afraid again, right? For this truly must be God. This is God. They sacrificed to the Lord. 
There was an offering to give. When a life was saved, you sacrificed unto the Lord an offering of thanks, and they made vows. We will be obedient to this God, right? We will obey this Lord, for he is the true God. Kind of reminds me of Ruth. Your God will be my God, and where this God goes, that's where I'll go, right? And then we come to the climax of the story. Right? All this building into this moment. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. As we go into chapter two, I need to do one thing because there is something about this prayer that Jonah is going to pray. Okay? Jonah's about to pray, and it says he is praying from inside the belly of the fish right? He's praying this prayer. We're going to read from inside the belly of the fish, but he's recalling and remembering when he was in the water. He's praying this prayer in safety, right? Inside the fish, but he's going to pray remembering where he was and what happened in the water because the men have cast him into the sea, right? They've hurled him into the sea and listen to how Jonah praise. First, he says, I called out. This is happening. This is what he's saying. I called out to the Lord out of my distress in the water, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of shale, I cried, and you heard my voice, right? This is how he starts off his prayer, a prayer of thanks and praise to God. Praying inside the belly of the fish, first he cries out, Lord, thank you, Father, you, I called to you, you answered. I cried to you and you answered my cry, right? You heard my voice. Look where he was. You, Lord, you, you, cur- you hurled the wind upon the sea. You moved the lots to point to me. You moved the men to cast me in the sea. Now, Lord, you, Lord, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea is where Jonah's at, right? And the flood surrounded me. Waters surrounded him. Your waves and your billows, they passed over me. Literally, Jonah's in the water. The billows are passing over him. Jonah's going where? Down into the deep, right? Jonah As he begins to go down into the deep, he cries out, I am driven away from the sight of the Lord. Literally, he's looking up, I'm driven away from the sight of the Lord. For the first time, Jonah does not want to be outside the presence of the Lord, right? He's been fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And now he says, I will be outside of his sight and fear hits his heart. In that moment, what does he do? Oh Lord, I shall again look upon your holy temple. He knew where God was. He knew where his presence dwelt. He said, I will again, Lord, I will look towards your holy temple, right? His prayer goes back to the waters. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down down to the land whose bars closed in upon me forever. The way they saw Sheol, death, was a place for the dead. And on the top of Sheol was bars that literally, so that the dead would not escape. That's how they just viewed it. 
And so literally what he's saying is, I'm going to the place of death and there is no escape. Unless, Lord, you move, I will perish. I will perish. I'm so thankful for yets and buts, right? Yet, as he is going down and the bars are on, literally in his last breath, he's underwater, last breaths, you, Lord, (laughs) brought my life up from the pit. He saves him in that moment. You brought my life up from the pit. Oh Lord, my God, when I, my life, my life was fainting away. What did he do? I remembered the Lord. (laughs) I remembered the Lord and my prayer came into your holy temple. Man, he looked In that moment of desperation, literally desperation, futile, there's no way out, bars over his head, he's in the deep, weeds around his necks, mountains around him, the bars, he's in the water, sinking, right? All of a sudden, you brought my life up from the pit. I remembered you. I called out to you. I cried to you, Lord, and you heard me. You answered me, and you saved me. The fish. The fish. For three days and three nights, Jonah was in the fish. Man. Why did he look? Why did he look again to the holy temple? Why did he look there to the holy temple? Can I give just one suggestion? Solomon, who built the temple of God, When he dedicated the temple, this is what he prayed over the temple. This is Solomon's prayer. He prayed this. Will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, Lord. How much less this house that I have built. Yet, Lord, have regard to the prayers of your servant and to his plea. Oh, Lord, my God, listen to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, my name shall be there. My name shall be in that place. That you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. And listen, Lord, please, to the plea of your servant and of your people, Israel. When they pray toward this place, listen in heaven, right? Your dwelling place. And when you hear them, forgive them. Forgive them. In that moment, Jonah is praying to the Lord. He looks 
to the holy temple of God and remembers that's where God's presence dwells and that's where forgiveness is offered. You heard me, Lord, when I cried. You remembered, Lord, me, Lord. You answered me when I cried, Lord. And you lifted up my life from the pit. And then this warning, I think for the people of Israel, but it could be for us as well. (laughs) Oh, Lord, those who pay regard to vain idols, Lord, those who put their hope in the things that are not of you, Father, the little G's of this world, oh, Lord, they forsake. He said they forsake their hope of your steadfast love. They forsake it, Lord. And then he says, oh, Lord, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. Like like the sailors, I will give to you, Lord, an offering of thanks, and I will pay what I have vowed. I will be obedient to you, Lord. And then his declaration that we started with, oh, Lord, salvation belongs to the Lord, right? Right? Now his heart is praising the Lord, right? He's thanking him, God, you lifted up my life from the pit when I remembered you, when I prayed to you, when I cried out to you, Lord. You lifted me up and salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's crying out to his own people, turn from your idols, right? And to the Lord. For salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. Oh. I don't know where you are this morning. <laughs> I don't know where you are this morning. Jonah was speaking to his people two things, I think. And that, in that statement, in that bold statement, salvation belongs to the Lord. First and foremost, he's calling his people to return. If they have turned from him, like they, he knew they had, to idols and the things of this world, he says, return to the Lord, for salvation belongs to God. I think he's also saying salvation belongs to the Lord, and he chooses whom he will give it. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's for the sailors Right, who are calling out to their little G gods, who are pagan peoples. But when they turn to the Lord and obey the word of the Lord, they received his salvation. And he said, even the wicked Ninevites, right? Even they. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Oh, what does Jonah do? Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Jonah had much more to learn. It doesn't get much better. He doesn't show himself much in a better light even as he goes forward. But again, he shows that the Lord, salvation belongs to the Lord. This morning, if you are, if you find yourself maybe far, far from the Lord, maybe you, um, like Jonah, uh, knowing God, but have now turned against the Lord, running, literally running from the Lord in the opposite direction. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
Maybe you're like the pagan um, sailors. Maybe you've never known this God before. A God of salvation, the God of heaven, the God of who created the heavens and the earth, right? A God who is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and who relents from disaster. Then I tell you today, salvation belongs to the Lord and it is for you today. Maybe today also God is calling you to say, I desire you to go to those people. I'm calling you to go and take this message to these peoples and maybe you've been resisting that call. And so you've been running from the Lord. Maybe today is the day you surrender to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I will go. For salvation belongs to the Lord. The salvation that God offers today is the same salvation he offered then. Then it was to look to the holy temple for that's where the presence of the Lord dwelt, right? It was also the place of forgiveness. It was where God would come to dwell with his people, but he created a way in which they could come to him and worship him through a sacrifice, right? They had to sacrifice a lamb. Something had to die so that they could come into the presence of the Lord. An animal would be given. The blood would be cast onto the altar. God would see that something had died for their sins, and God would then come into their presence. They would be reconciled unto the Lord. Today, our salvation does not rest in temples made with hands. Our salvation is in Jesus. Is in Jesus. Jesus is the, is the temple. He came, we just celebrated it all through Christmas, right? He came to dwell with us. The temple was pointing toward the one who would come, right? The one who had been promised from the very beginning of time. This one would come. Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, right? No longer dwelling in the temple, now in a person, in flesh, Jesus, pointing to Jesus. Not only Emmanuel with us, God with us, the Son of God with us, but also the Lamb of God. Not only the place where, Jesus, where God dwells, but also the sacrifice that was offered. He himself would take upon our sins and he would be punished for us in our place my favorite verses. It says, he who knew no sin became sin, that we, we might become the righteousness of God. On Jesus, he laid our sins. Jesus died in our place on the cross. He was buried for three days and three nights and then rose from the dead, <laughs> declaring that this sacrifice has been received. On him in that death, our sins were placed. In him, he died in our place. And in the same transaction, he laid on us his righteousness. So that now, when God looks upon us, he says, righteous in my sight. He has declared us righteous. Today, we don't look to the temple. We look to Jesus Look to Jesus. This morning, if you are there and you're running, look to Jesus. Salvation belongs to God. If you are, you've never turned to Jesus, salvation belongs to God, it's in Jesus. If you've been resisting his call, turn back to Jesus and follow him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your great, great love. We're thankful that, Lord, you, God, you, salvation belongs to our Lord. And when we cry out, God, you hear, you, 
You listen, you answer us, Father. I'm thankful. Lord, I'm thankful that, Lord, we don't look to a temple because a temple doesn't even there anymore. But we look toward your son. <laughs> Lord, in our desperation, we look toward your son. The temple was just pointing forward, but now fulfilled in your son, Christ Jesus. He came and dwelt among us. <laughs> he lived the life we could not live and then he died on a cross, taking upon him our sins. And your wrath was poured out upon him instead of us. He laid in a tomb for three days and three nights. And then, God, you raised him from the dead, <laughs> proving that you in him had conquered sin and you had conquered death, Lord. You said, I have sent my son. <laughs> Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In him, we have forgiveness of our sins. They've been paid for in his death. In him, we now have your righteousness. We are declared righteous in your sight. <laughs> and we have life. Now, Lord, you have sent your son, to live, the spirit of God, to live within us. And Lord, we have hope because you've also promised you will return and you will take us to be with you. We have hope of everlasting life. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord, if there is someone here today, God, I pray that Lord, today they would cry out. <laughs> they would call upon you, Lord. They would remember the Lord, Jesus. Lord, you would save them from their sins. Lord, would you raise them up today from the pit? Lord, give them from death unto life and life everlasting. And Lord, if there's one out there, they know you, <laughs> they've known you, but when you called, they resisted, they pushed against you and they've been running and they've been running hard. Oh Lord, may today be the day that they, they stop running <laughs> and they look again unto Jesus, your son. And would you raise them up, <laughs> Lord? Would you bring up their life? Lord, maybe there's somebody out there today who, Lord, you are calling to say, my salvation, my, the, the salvation belongs to me and it is for all peoples, for all nations, from the ones on the sailors on the ship to the most vile and wicked and violent peoples of the Ninevites. My salvation is for all people. Anyone and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Should I not have pity on these people, you said of Nineveh? Lord, if they are being called this morning to go, <laughs> may they not push back, but may they surrender and say, I will take this salvation, the hope that is in Christ Jesus, to the ends of the earth and to all peoples. 
or to my neighbor who lives across the street. Lord, would you work in our hearts today? Would you work? And Lord, if there is someone here today and they look unto you, oh Lord, would you see them? And would you save them? I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.